0: Welcome to this podcast. This is part one of a three-part series on developing a complete Facebook marketing strategy. My name is Eric Garcia, and I'm an IT and digital marketing consultant working exclusively with veterinary practices. I started my career on the management team of a large veterinary practice. And the reason this is important for me is because I know what it's like to work in a busy practice. I know what it's like to be in your shoes. And I understand that when you have a limited amount of time Things like Facebook and social media can easily fall by the wayside. That's why it's within everything that I do to provide realistic tips that you can use in your practice using the limited amount of time and resources that you have available to you. After my career in a practice, I had the opportunity to be the vice president of a veterinary web design marketing firm where for the first time I was able to understand how hungry veterinarians were to better utilize the web to communicate with clients and attract new clients as well. And now that's all I do all day long, is I work exclusively with veterinary practices to help them enhance their digital marketing and communication strategies. During this first part of our series, we will discuss Facebook, and where it compares with all of the options available today for social media. We'll also review basic yet important rules for engagement through Facebook, and key settings that need to be in place prior to communicating. So with that, I'd like to Talk about just social media in general. I know this podcast is specific to Facebook, but there are a lot of rumors going around and it's a commonly asked question that I get nowadays and that is, well Eric, you know, I keep on hearing that Facebook is dying and that the younger generation is now using another type of social media channel. Should I even be spending my time on Facebook? Is that still really worth my time? for my veterinary practice? My short answer to that is yes. It is true that Facebook is dying among a younger demographic, but that's the key point is that it is a younger demographic. We still see our clientele and our core demographic still using Facebook. The kids nowadays are moving on to other social media channels, Snapchat being one of those. Practices will often ask me, should I take part of Snapchat? And I always tell practices, well, simply no. And that's because that core demographic for Snapchat is 16 to 18 years old. That's probably not where you need to be focusing your time and energy uh, when communicating online and marketing to your clients. Facebook is still by far the number one social media channel that exists out there today. We know that 50% of users still log on on any given moment. And that gives us the opportunity to be able to communicate with our clientele, this is where the numbers are at, this is where I see practices have the most followers at this very moment. So Facebook still by far is the number one social media channel to be able to communicate and market to your clients today. But with that, there are some rules for communicating and some rules of Facebook, as I'd like to call them. The first rule to Facebook is, well, you should never relay any type of medical information meaning that, no, we're not going to get, let Mrs. Smith post a picture of her jaundice cat, ask you what's going on, and expect you to answer that type of question. We're never going to want to engage with those type of conversations on social media, but I can tell you that that type of question and pet owner engagement is actually rare. That isn't something that I see often with the practices that we've worked with, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have the pet owner that is going to cross that boundary and ask some medical-based information in regards to the care of their pet. And if that's the case, I don't want you to ignore it. I want you to answer that same question as if that pet owner were calling you, asking you that question. And your response should be, we can help you with this, but you need to come into our practice and have a physical exam completed in order for us to be able to provide you with advice. So the same response that you give over the phone, you wanna go ahead and give on Facebook as well. The reason I don't want you to ignore that question is because this is where you do have the opportunity to gain a new client. I've seen practices that have had the client go online, cross the boundary, ask a medical-based question, but with a simple reply of call our practice and schedule an appointment, Practices have been able to gain new clients as a result of this. What I don't want you to do is make the assumption that the pet owner is just trying to get out of a visit. Yes, there will be some pet owners who that is their sole intent, uh, but there are some pet owners who are just looking for advice and need to know that an appointment is important in order for you to be able to provide that advice. So again, rule number one, let's refrain from relaying any type of medical information. The second rule when it comes to Facebook is I don't recommend you use the messaging service as a form of email communication or as a form of communication in general. And the reason for that is is because I'm trying to give you a realistic approach to social media. If I were to tell you that now you have to check Facebook messages three times a day, in addition to everything else you're already doing, well, that approach is going to become slightly unrealistic. So I do recommend that you disable this messaging service. This way you don't make it too easy for your clients to get in touch with you, and you can streamline your communication efforts when it does come to Facebook. Now, I will say this. If you're a practice and you have allowed clients to get in touch with you, using the messaging service on Facebook, or any other social media channel, and you do not find that your clients are abusing it, and you want to continue using this communication tool, then by all means, continue to do so. But if you're just getting started with Facebook, and you're looking for that realistic approach in the beginning, then I do recommend disabling this feature. The third rule is, you simply do not want to come off as a marketer. The last thing that you want pet owners to think is that you're abusing the power of social media, only to simply promote a product or a service. This is an important rule when it comes to Facebook because it's going to tie back to something that we're going to discuss here in just a few moments when it comes to the rules of engagement. So simply, you do not want to come off as a marketer, but I will teach you on how you can market a service or a product in a way that the pet owner does not feel like they're being marketed to. We do want to stay away from negative topics, anything that could be seen as controversial. I have seen a small number of practices that have used the power of reach that they have with social media for the wrong reason and it's backfired. So let's make sure that we stay away from negative topics. Anything that could be seen as controversial should not be shared through your practices social media channel. You do want to recognize your clients and patients and make them the center of attention. I'll teach you ways of how to do that. And you do want to use your power to educate as well. So those are some of the basic yet important rules when it comes to Facebook that I want all practices to understand. Once you understand these rules, well, now we need to make sure that a couple of settings and policies are in place. The first setting that I recommend you implement is a tool or a feature on Facebook that's called Facebook Page Moderation. Now, this can be simply found in your Facebook settings. And when you go into this section on Facebook, the way this tool works is Facebook allows you the opportunity to put any keyword into this moderation system. And the idea here is that we're going to put in keywords that are used in a negative manner. And when someone uses any one of the keywords that are in the moderation system, what happens is that posting will automatically become flagged as spam. So here's an example of how that works. One of the keywords that you want to place in this moderation list is worst. And if a pet owner decides to comment on one of your postings on Facebook and says, you are the worst clinic I have ever been to, well, understand this. Because that pet owner used the word worst, the posting will automatically become flagged as spam. Now, when a posting is automatically flagged as spam, what that means is it's not visible for anyone to see other than you and the client who posted it. So if you did have that pet owner who said, You are the worst clinic I have ever been to, and that posting becomes flagged as spam because that word worst is in your moderation list, well, that pet owner does not know the posting is flagged as spam. On their end, they're thinking, Yes, the whole world's going to know how evil you are. But really and truly, it's only you and that pet owner who get to see that posting. So ideally, what we want to consider doing is if someone is going to say something to that extent on your Facebook page and the moderation list catches it, then what you can go ahead and do is click on the X in the upper right-hand corner, and that will allow you to go ahead and ban that user from your Facebook page. Because if they're going on your Facebook page and saying you're the worst clinic, well, chances are they're not going to have anything nice to say in the near future. So let's just go ahead and prevent them from saying anything at all. When you ban a user on Facebook, they do not know it. They do not receive a notification that says they have been banned. To them, it's simply as if you've fallen off of the earth. Now, the moderation list does not have a way of knowing whether a word is being used in a positive or negative manner. So if a posting is automatically flagged as spam, but the usage of the word was used in a positive manner, you do have the opportunity to click on not spam to then release that posting for the rest of your followers to see. But again, understand that if that posting is flagged as spam, and that pet owner was using a word in a positive manner, their feelings are never going to get hurt thinking that you hid the posting, because as you recall, on their end, that posting is visible. So this is a nice tool that you can put in place, and you should put in place, to prevent any type of negative conversation from happening on your Facebook page. Now, this tool does work from the moment that you implement it moving forward. It does not go backwards. I don't see this tool often needing to be used because I don't often see negativity on social media, more specifically Facebook, but it does give you the peace of mind that if something does happen, you do have this moderation list in place. So this is one setting I recommend that you implement on your Facebook page before you actually start developing a posting strategy. The next tip that I have for you before you actually start posting is to invest in a digital camera and implement a cell phone usage policy. I'm going to explain why these are two important things that you need to consider when it comes to a successful Facebook marketing strategy. Number one, I recommend you invest in a camera because I want this camera to be used for the sole purpose of taking pictures of patients, clients, and employees engaging during a veterinary visit. The reason I want this camera to only be used for that reason is because I want you to make it easy for your entire team to help contribute to your social media efforts. Meaning that no, this should not fall all on just one person. Get your team involved and if you have a camera and you let your team know that it from now going on forward will be known as the cute pet camera, and that any picture they take will be allowed to share on the Facebook page, now you have more people in the practice helping you compile content. Now, I do recommend that if you are going to take a picture of a pet, a pet owner, or an employee, that you should have a photo release form signed. You do need to make sure that you get the proper permission from your pet owners before actually sharing that image online. Another reason that I want you to invest in a clinic camera or possibly a clinic cell phone is because I want you to discourage the use of your employees' cell phones for the sole purpose of taking pictures of pets. The reason for that is is because when the client gives you permission to take a photo of their pets to share online, they're giving that permission to the practice. And when the employee takes a picture from their personal cell phone device, well, now that picture is going to be owned by that employee and is now stored on a non-clinic device. Therefore, that permission was not given to the employee to take it through their own device or their own piece of property. Another reason that I want you to include a cell phone usage policy is because, unfortunately, we have been seeing a lot of negative content being shared on social media that have stemmed from employees taking pictures of things that are going on behind the scenes in the practice. An example of that is we have seen several times within the past six months to a year where if you go on Facebook, you can see photos of patients that employees from within a practice have taken shared on their personal social media channel only to bash that pet owner for not providing the medical care they believe that pet should have received. And that type of negativity can very easily backfire against the practice and is quite frankly a public relations nightmare waiting to happen. Now I do live by the philosophy where I do assume good intent and I would hope that your employees would not be capable of this but I want you to take the proactive, not reactive approach. I'd like for you to invest in a digital camera, encourage your employees to take pictures of patients for social media using that camera, and then having a cell phone policy where you prevent the usage of a cell phone camera at all times from within the practice. So this is something important that I want you to consider implementing when it comes to your Facebook marketing strategy. Now the next thing that I want to get over and this is an important rule to go over when it comes to considering the imagery that you're going to share on social media, more specifically Facebook is that copyright infringement? Well, yeah, that's a real thing. I have seen many practices at this point who have contacted me because they have received fines anywhere from five, 10 to 15 to $20,000 per image that they have illegally shared on social media. What we see often are employees in the practice that are sharing information on that practice's social media channel, and when they're creating content, they're going to Google, and they're Googling cute dog or funny cat and then they go ahead and illegally download an image from Google and then go ahead and share it on that practice's Facebook page. The images that are provided on Google or any other search engine are there for the sole intent of organizing all of the images that are there online for you to be able to look at but not download. And so what we see are practices who are going on Google downloading these images And then there's receiving letters from the authors of these images or the agencies representing these photographers with a lawsuit or a hefty fine. Now, there's not a person out there or a photographer who's going to a whole bunch of veterinary practice Facebook pages looking for these images. These companies and agencies and photographers all employ a photo recognition software to go ahead and automatically scan the web and come back to them with a list of places where these images are being used at. So it is important that you do not download images from Google and share them as your own. If you've already done this, and I can tell you that probably about 99.5% of practices have done this in some way, shape, or form on social media, what I recommend you do is just go back and delete those images that you've shared. This way, you can reduce the likelihood of you receiving a fine. Now, if you simply share an image but not download an image, then you're okay. So let's take, for example, the fact that you follow me on Facebook. And maybe I shared an image on Facebook and I illegally obtained it. And you as a practice love the image so much that you wanted your client to see that image. If you clicked on the word share through Facebook, then you're okay because you're not downloading that image and claiming it as your own. But now if you noticed the image that I shared, thought it was awesome, but then you downloaded it to your computer and re-uploaded it as your own, well yeah, that's where you can get in trouble. In short, don't do it take images from within the practice instead, or go through the proper channel of licensing images online. So I hope you listen to the second part of this podcast to continue our discussion on developing a Facebook marketing strategy for your practice.